Hey everybody, welcome back to the Socially Distanced Podcast. This is episode 43, and if you're wondering, yes, we are still in our Wanda Distanced miniseries. Of course, this is the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com, which we will be celebrating our... 12th anniversary this year very stoked for that of course my dulcet tones are coming from the body of one bill bodkin editor-in-chief and your host for the episode we've got an all bearded panel this week of course joining me always forever he is always tired always reluctant and always the managing editor of the popbreak.com al manorino buddy um you got the super bowl bets coming up you gambling fool oh man um I, if I see Tom Brady win one more Super Bowl, I'm gonna fucking lose it. <laughs> I would. I, can't. I, 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 I just I sat watching that game against Green Bay in disgust. Yeah, they're like, look how great he did. I'm like, he threw three interceptions. Three interceptions. Lucky. Still one. That's Amazing. luck. Of course, we are joined by our one of our favorite human beings and resident guest of the Wanda Distance series. He is uh, adorned in blockbuster sweatpants today. Cole Rothacker, mm-hmm. welcome back, buddy. Hello, thank you. And we are joined by the A number one with a bullet fan of this podcast. He listens to this podcast more than Al and my wives combined. Cole, cat doesn't count because she's literally on this podcast all the time. So sure. he is a wonderful human being making his return to the podcast for the, well, I guess one and a half times since you did contribute to our final episode of 2020, Mr. Nick Porcaro, brother, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me once again. Uh, it's funny that I'm the number one fan of the podcast, but I've probably listened to less than half the episodes. That is, you, again, you've still already... Still the number one fan. Still the number one fan. <laughs> still who lives to more episodes than anyone else. So... Off to a wonderful start. He's not even going to listen to this one, so we've already killed our that one listen. But hey. Oh, no. I'm going to listen to it. Ah, the vanity comes into play. Yes, let's feed into it. So we are talking about uh, the latest episode of WandaVision. This is the fourth episode. And um, for a guy who took so many notes for this episode, episode, I forgot the episode title. It's, uh, wait, Cole, don't say it because I think I have it in my head. It's... Um, okay. It's we we interrupt this program, something the like broadcast? that. We interrupt this broad, yeah. We interrupt this broadcast because it's it is the I guess the first official break between everything we've seen before. You know, we've been living in these sitcoms, and now this is uh, completely outside. We're we're finally in the quote unquote. We interrupt real this world. program. Yeah, I was about to say I had the wiki open. It's we interrupt this program. You had it right the first time. So yes. So yes, Cole. Oh, listen, Cole is a wonderful human being. You do oh, not tell him to suck it. I know. I tell, and, I tell you I to suck it, pal. And this today. podcast has gone into a whole different direction. Anyway, <laughs> we interrupt this program is the fourth episode of WandaVision, and we're interrupting the program for a very damn good reason, because we are not starting in the world of Wanda. No, we are actually starting in the blip, or the sort of the aftermath of it. Um, and this is heading into our first segment, which we call Last Week on WandaVision. So, 
We see Maria Rambeau is blipped back into existence in a hospital. And she's not the only one, as dozens of people are blipped back into existence as a result of the time heist in Endgame. It seems two years have passed, and Maria was seemed to have disappeared sitting by her mother's bedside in the hospital. After a frantic encounter in the hospital, it's discovered that her mother, Monica Rambeau, has passed away. Seemingly days, weeks have passed by, and we see Maria at S.W.O.R.D. headquarters. She is assigned to help FBI agent Jimmy Wu, who we saw uh, many a time in uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, on a missing persons case in the town of Westview, New Jersey. But it seems no one knows anything about Westview, even the police officers who are standing in front of a massive sign saying welcome to Westview, New Jersey. As Rambo gets ready to deploy a sword drone, she discovers there's something wrong. And as the sword drone is swallowed up soon by a force field, or a, some sort of field, Rambo approaches the field and is immediately sucked into the world of Westview. About a week later, or so, S.W.O.R.D. descends upon Westview, and in tow is astrophysicist Darcy Lewis, played by Kat Dennings, from the Thor movies. She is the one who discovers the WandaVision sitcom via a TV signal that is being broadcast from the town. The show is dissected, and the Joint Task Force discovers most of the quote-unquote cast are people who have been missing, and all from New Jersey. Maybe except for one. Darcy finds a way to broadcast into the sitcom, which we saw in episode 2 through the Stark radio that's at the country club. Wu uses that radio, and we see, cut back to that scene, from the perspective of both Darcy and Wu. Meanwhile, a sword agent crawls through an underground series of pipes and is immediately transformed into the mysterious beekeeper. Now, after a failed attempt to reach WandaVian radio, Darcy and Wu continue to watch the TV series and are brought into this scene where Maria and Geraldine, Maria slash Geraldine, is confronted by Wanda when she mentions Ultron. However, instead of seeing what we saw happen in episode 3, we cut to the happy ending. Meanwhile, in the world of Wanda, the screen widens and we see Wanda confront Geraldine slash Maria and expel her from her world back into the reality. The episode ends with Vision. More likely, we should say, the corpse of Vision, speaking to Wanda in a shocking moment. But then everything snaps back into reality. As Vision says, we can leave. We can move away. But, Mar but Wanda says, she's got everything under control. And we end the episode there. So, guys, I'm going to start with this question first before we head into our next segment. This was a complete departure from the sitcom story arc or storytelling device we've been using. How did you feel about kind of seeing how the, uh, the cake was made, basically? How a lot of things were happening, like the beekeeper and the radio call. How did you feel about this episode happening in the now outside of the Wanda sitcom world? Nick, you're our, you're our guest this week, so what would you think? I want to start by uh, asking Lucas to take every utterance of Maria and Monica and reverse them in the edit. <laughs> Maria is the mom and Monica is the daughter who's the agent of sword. Uh, sorry, Bill. Um, That's all right. I, 
I I really liked it. I think it was about time. I love the sitcom stuff, but with the intrusions that we got over the past few episodes, you know, we wanted to get some answers. I didn't expect that they would go to this well so soon. I thought we would maybe get another episode or two of sitcom stuff. We're obviously going to get some more sitcom stuff, but we don't know how much of it's going to be in the sitcom world versus in, in the real MCU world, uh, which is really exciting. I think this opens up, you know, as much as it answered some questions, it opens up a whole bunch of new questions. There's clearly something big at play here. Um, yeah, I think I think it was really needed. I think it was good timing for the show to, to open it up in this episode. Let's make it a blockbuster night. Cole, what do you, what's your thought? Uh, yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree. Uh, I thought the whole episode was great. Uh, I thought as like weird and uh, kind of like upsettingly dark the previous episodes have been, I, I thought this one just took that and went even farther with it. I thought the opening scene, the cold open was amazing. Uh, was really happy to see that. Uh, I, I was surprised they really kind of explained all the all the kind of main, not the main mysteries, but just like a lot of the random weird questions we've had about just specifically the first three episodes. I feel there's definitely a lot more that's being left that's left that needs to be answered. Uh, but I thought it was interesting that they kind of went ahead and kind of just explained who the beekeeper was and what was going on with the radio and what the helicopter was and all that stuff. It was kind of like if in loss they had done the polar bear and then explained that in like the next episode, as opposed to however, whenever they did that eventually, I think it was quite some time afterwards, but no, they kind of did it immediately here. And uh, I was pretty satisfied with it. It was kind of cool seeing how everything was lining up. Uh, you know, we saw that Darcy was the one that was watching them at the end of episode one, which I really didn't think at all. Uh, but then when you watch it, it's pretty clear that it's her. Um, I, I thought it was great that they showed, you know, Wu uh, trying to contact Wanda and how that all uh, worked out there. Yep. Um, yeah, no, I just was really overall satisfied with everything that they showed. Uh, not just for the show, but kind of a lot of other things I'll get into in regards to the wider MCU. Um, Alphonse? Yeah, that, that's the thing I was actually going to touch on because you guys uh, have already touched on what I was going to say originally. My God, that was a weird circle. But anyway. Um, I was, can't get character name rights. It's, it's, it's I know, okay. it's true. It's, it's, almost, it, it's almost like, um, you know, they're, they're not, not even filling in gas, but they're, they're, they're doing the thing that everyone wants when they're watching a mystery show they're giving you all the answers right and it's not even the satisfying like the most satisfying thing from the episode wasn't learning like oh you know it is sword and it's not just sword it's everyone trying to figure out what's going on it's like it's joint task force you know it wasn't that that was the most satisfying it wasn't the beekeeper it wasn't the radio it wasn't seeing any of that stuff it was the connection to the wider mcu that i of from a day one 2008 Iron Man fan. I'm a huge MCU fan, so seeing those little connections was amazing. And um, we, the, this was the perfect way to showcase the blip in 
the horror fashion. Whereas in, in Far From Home, they, they, they did like a light comedic spin on like, you know, the marching band is back and things like that. You know, like everyone just kind of blipped back into existence and it's just like, you know, it was this great day for everyone. What about like a hospital during the blip? Like that is terrifying. Um, so that was really cool to see. And then, of course, the greatest moment, obviously, and we're going to all agree on this. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. The greatest moment from this episode is seeing that Jimmy Woo mastered <laughs> the card trick from, from Ant-Man and the Wasp. That is the, the one of the best payoffs. I say the the, the it's, it's cap-holding uh, Mjolnir and then Jimmy Woo learned the card trick are the biggest payoffs in MCU history. I feel yeah. like if I asked you on a different day, you might change your mind and say nope. Jimmy Woo, the card trick, is the best thing you've ever seen. Oh, yeah, maybe, perhaps. 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 Uh, for me, both, I, I... Both moments made me go, holy shit! <laughs> so, it's debatable. Uh, uh, for me, I, you know, when we see episodes like this on a lot of shows, mystery box shows like uh, a Westworld or uh, other shows, because I had such great examples, I just go with, with other Rock, shows. Stranger Things, there's yeah. a ton. So, when you get these episodes, a lot of times it's just... The and every every year it's like the big gasp moments, but I love the way this un, unraveled, and I kind of do want a Darcy Jimmy Woo X Files series. That would be oh. amazing. Please make yeah. that happen. And Maybe the uh, best idea I've read on Twitter. Yeah, I read that too. You probably liked it. That's why I read it. Probably. And it was, um, but yeah, it. I liked how they explained how the cake was made, but we still have. It just kind of told us, okay, this is how we got here. But we know nothing more nothing. except at the final line that Wanda, you know, says, I've got everything under control. And mm-hmm. we're like, that's it. That's the moment we needed from the episode. So we have a clue of why all this is happening. But let's move on to our where we're going to talk some theories. We're going to talk about wider MCU implications. We're going to talk more about the blip. And that is in our next segment, which is... Something's wrong here, Wanda. <laughs> I should have said it with a British accent, but, uh, you know, not the time. Something's wrong here, British Wanda. Accent. It's like, oh, I, I could try, but I'm just going to laugh through it now, so I'm not going to do Something's it. Something's wrong here, Wanda. That's pretty good. Something's wrong That's pretty good. here, Wanda. <laughs> Which I, could, I was just, I just me feel bumbling. so, like, first of all, I, and we're going to get into weird tangents here, but, like, Paul Bettany has, like, one of the most soothing voices, like, ever, right? He is like, walking. Yes. He is living ASMR, oh, yes. And... I had to. I remember when when my my wife and I started watching the show, and I was like, "You might not remember Vision, but do you remember like Tony's like artificial intelligence?" She's like, "Oh yeah, like because he has such like a that voice is just so perfect, so soothing and memorable." By the way, keep going. Why don't we just start with him? Let's and we're <laughs> I'm skipping way ahead to the end. Way ahead. Skip to ahead. skip to the end. Why not? Skip to uh, the end. Um. What did you guys think of that moment when Vision walks back in the house, Wanda looks at him, and it is corpse Vision. Completely caved in face, grayed out, almost Thanos-colored skin, um, just deader than dead. So, Nick, start with you. Tell me, like, first off, your visceral, visceral reaction to that, and then um, give me some thoughts and theories on why Wanda is seeing this in a world that she's created where everything well which we find out where everything is perfect and great and happy and she can edit all this stuff out um uh my heart sunk i was i was aghast you know i was like oh my god that is just 
more so than the emotional part of it, you know, where it's it's very sad that he's dead. It was just the the visual and the suddenness of which it happened was very chilling, and and I like those these elements of horror that are seeping into the show and are you know reportedly a part of multiverse of madness. Not to get too ahead of things, but oh, don't worry, I'm we very much looking forward to that. To, to the, I love when the Marvel Universe can go in all these different genre directions and try all these different things. And you know how Winter Soldier was like a political intrigue thriller kind of movie. Um, as far as implications, I firmly believe um, this is Wanda suffering a mental break, and her powers are being impacted by her emotions, and this is kind of a coping mechanism. But since she's so powerful and she probably doesn't even realize how powerful she is, um, she's created this whole world and other people are trapped in it. And um, obviously, as they tried to rescue Monica, the cracks started to appear. And Monica saying, you know, she didn't say anything about Vision being dead. She said, she said about Pietro being dead. But just the utterance of, you know... He, he's dead, Ultron killed him, and it clearly set Wanda off, and I could see that being, like, another fracture. Now, Wanda can't maintain Vision's perfect um, appearance in this world. Now, suddenly, she's seeing Vision as he was after he was killed. Um, so I don't have a ton of, like, overarching theories. It's just That's just my main thing, is I do think it's as simple as, like, this character, who's one of the most powerful in the whole universe, is dealing with incredibly you know, hard emotions and kind of like escaping into herself, but it's not into herself. It actually affects the world around her. I'm going to switch it up, Al. I'm going to go to you next. Yeah, I mean, Nick made some pretty amazing points there. Um, Seeing uh, Grey Vision, uh, first appearance, by the way, is uh, the cover of West Coast Avengers number 45. Um, I have it. Anyway. um, Of course you do. Just Well, because it's it's a... um, it's an homage to his first appearance in the Avengers, but it's just him gray instead of um, him and like the, with the red cover. Anyway, um, insane. I, another moment where I was like, Oh my God, it's gray vision freaking out. And again, my wife is like, you need help. And I'm like, yeah, understandable. Um, it's, it's crazy because we had so many questions answered in this episode, but now I have like a million more. Right. And it's funny because as, as, as Nick was saying, like, you know, this is like Wanda's grief, right? This is, you know, one too many fractures in, in that. And then being, uh, you know, this is her way of coping. Us, the MC, like the fans of the MCU, we got to cope with um, Iron Man's death. We're getting a Black what? Widow. We're getting a Black Widow movie where we get to see a little more of Nat before there's no more. We have not been able to cope at all in any way with Vision's death if he's still dead, right? So it's it's funny. Like I I, I was always mad at that Endgame scene where we where we did this like maybe this beautiful tribute to Robert Downey Jr. or um, Tony Stark, and there's no funeral for Nat. There's no funeral for for Vision, and they're like, yeah, you know, they die. They're soldiers, whatever. Like it's it's crazy that we are kind of this is our. This is the way we're dealing with it, and we're we're experiencing the same way she is, and it. I have a million questions, and I honestly, I don't think this is the end of Vision. 
even though he's dead, I still feel like we're we might get Vision again at the end of this, in some capacity, in some multiverse, in some way. And I think that's where they're setting it up, right? That's the the bigger MCU implications is that this is going to somehow really open up the multiverse, right? I'm fucking ecstatic to see that and how they do it. They're doing it on a small scale, Disney Plus, you know, eight or nine episode series that's going to open up basically the next phase of the MCU. And I'm so excited to see that. I also thought they were making a little, besides when they were talking about uh, early in the sword, um, when they're walking through the hangar, Especially like, oh, there are allies and, and villains in space. I'm just like, oh, I wonder if this is going to be where they're going to start something with the Eternals. And I start... That? Or I was, Guardians 3, or... I was thinking Secret Invasion, because that's already been announced as a show, and we know that we have allies with the Scrolls. We have Nick Fury and the Scrolls. Nick Fury and the Scrolls, and, you know, they said, obviously... Hell of a ska band. <laughs> that, Nick Fury and the Scrolls, that's a pretty good name. Um... We know that the Secret Invasion is going to be not the comic version. It's going to be much more scaled down, and it's going to be a Disney Plus series with Samuel L. Jackson returning and Ben uh, Mendelsohn. Please, Mendelsohn. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I, I'm wondering if these these shows, the the WandaVisions, the Falcon and the Winter Soldiers, are going to not only set up the movies, but they're also going to set up the other shows because they're all going to be connected, right? So, that is a, that's a good point to bring up that they they, they did mention allies and enemies in space. Yeah, I, I took that as Monica referencing Captain Marvel specifically just because yeah, she had yeah. that experience with her in what? the Captain what? Marvel movie. Because if you saw the little Easter egg there, Cole, because I'm sure you spotted it on your Twitter. What, what, what is I'm it? The, well, the, the Easter egg of uh, um, her mom said, it said um, Photon. Maria Photon. Photon. Yeah. So... I wonder if if that's also setting up maybe Captain Marvel two takes place in the early two thousands or whatever, and we get to see a little more of my of Maria Rambo. Yeah, I, that's interesting. Um, I do know that uh, Tiana Paris is supposed to be in Captain Marvel two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, along with the girl that's playing Ms. Marvel in the Ms. Marvel show, so. These two shows seem to be kind of like setting that up to some degree. Yeah. Jersey City represent. That's right. Exactly. A lot of New Jersey guys. For Kamala Khan's uh, Miss Marvel to make her live action debut. Like, it's the top of my list in terms of the MCU. It's like right up there. Well, Cole, what was your thoughts? uh, You know, the visceral reaction of Dead Vision and uh, any implications you could think of from there? Oh, yeah. No, I, I thought that was so fucked up. Can I say that on here? Of course, you can fucking tell Okay, good, 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 good. Um, yeah, no, you've sworn several times. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's me. <laughs> I could never, I could never remember. Um, yeah, no, I, I thought that was so disturbing and so uh, just jarring to see. And now, when I kind of look at the show, when I'm rewatching the first couple episodes, and then when I'm watching it, you know, hereafter, um, I'm I'm picturing in my head vision just wandering around just like being dead this whole time because uh, that's what i think is what's happening you know oh i don't my think god i don't think she's like recreated him or anything i think it's literally I, I think the implication is it's his dead body just wandering around but 
you know, she's created this like glamour to make it look like it's the, the old vision. But, so that plays, but, yeah, that plays into a theory I read. Someone's like, I was on The Ringer. It was that this is very uh, haunting of Hill House, if anyone's seen it, where yeah. it's just like you're seeing. I'm not spoiling anything, by the way, because uh, there's a ton of ghosts in that. It's just like you're seeing ghosts. What's real? What isn't? Am I speaking to a ghost? Am I speaking to a real person? What's happening? Are they going through time? Like, what's ha- what, It's all very timey wimey stuff, but it's like at this. I knew Nick would let, appreciate that one, but it's um, and Al should, but it's uh, you know a, a way of like is this like you were saying the visage? She's just put the coat of paint on the reanimated corpse of Vision. Yeah, yeah. So like when we're seeing him, you know, do his magic tricks, or he's at the dinner party with the boss. It's really his like dead body that's doing all that stuff. It's not him brought back to life necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> that this and, show just got way darker. Yeah, because that theory and, totally and, holds I feel up. Like that—that that has to be it because he doesn't have the mind stone, and the mind stone was like a was how he functioned. So this version of Vision that we're seeing is just kind of based on her memories of him mixed in with you know other stuff, basically. Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't say he's. Compl- I mean, he's made of the Mind Stone, but he's also Jarvis. U- Ultron. Yeah. He's, he's Ultron. He's he's Jar- he's Jarvis. He's Ultron. He's Tony. He's um, Banner, and then the Mind Stone. Right. So yeah. I always thought like if they were going to bring him back, they don't have the Mind Stone anymore, and they don't want it on Earth. Probably. Well, it is on Earth, but it's in the different timelines and shit. It's yeah. so confusing. So it's like, how do you bring back Vision? In a way, like it's yeah, gonna keep his know. personality, but it's not. It might not keep his powers. Yeah, or I, or I don't know, or his personality is stunted. I don't know how it works exactly, but I feel yeah. like it would be like if you brought someone back without a part of their brain anymore. You yeah. know, so maybe they're able to walk and move and do stuff, but uh, some basic cognitive functions are probably not going to be present. Almost like lobotomized or something. Yeah. To get real dark with it. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to take maybe a little detail here that might not be significant, but this was a question I've had. I watched it again before the podcast, the episode. Now, uh, our buddy, Jimmy Woo, on the case, on a missing persons case, or there was a fugitive that he was chasing there trying to track this person down. Do we think, do we have any theories on who this could be, or is that just not important and that he just happened upon to stumble into this this world of WandaVision? I think we can all agree that it's Ag- Agatha Harkness. That's what I thought, too, but I, think I wasn't sure. I mean, I think that's the most logical, or it's a red herring and it's the blonde girl. Well, see, here's here's you know why I think it might not be Agatha Harkness? Because they processed her picture like they did everybody. And she doesn't have a driver's license. And, yeah, and uh, she didn't have a real name either. And it was like, why if it? But he would know her by sight, so why wouldn't he be like, oh, that's the person I'm chasing? And I don't know if they brought Emma Caulfield's character in. Like, if if she's if he's seeing her picture, he'd be like, oh, that's who I'm after. You know what I mean? Like, it would. I feel like that would have been said. But do we have yeah. a reason to know that he already knows who she is and he's after her? Well, I mean, if he's. It'd be weird if he was going on a missing persons case and he didn't even know what she looked like, you know? Oh, wait, sorry, you're talking about... I thought you were talking about Agnes. You're talking about Monica? 
No, 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 no. So Jimmy is. They're all missing. I see. What you're yeah. Saying. So Jimmy is looking. He was on a missing. He was. There's a fugitive, and that person fugitive yes. became a missing person. So I'm wondering, is this just incidental, or is this tie into somebody in there? Because I think it ties into somebody in there. It's definitely not incidental. I mean, these the the way that they're. I thought it was Wanda's who everything was means something. We've seen this already. So like him just saying that in it. It's funny because it's like the way he said it was like, I started doing this, looking for this person and then realized this whole fucking town's gone. And then you kind of almost immediately forget the thing that brought you to that point. Yeah, I so, did. <laughs> yeah. So, well, so I did too until I watched it again and I'm like, oh yeah, why is he here? You know, and then it was like, so because my first thought was he was looking for Wanda for some reason. He, he might have been, that That might have been it. I it's kind of unclear, but maybe that's intentional. But so we do it, think this person. It, it, is it might have been important. anyone in the town, honestly. Yeah. Mm. I wanted no. to jump. I wanted to hop off of what Al said about um, you know that everything's clearly intentional in the show, the way it's written. I mean, that's you, almost the entire MCU, and that's one of the things that's incredible about it is that. Feige and co have this insane plan and I'm sure there are cases where they've had to adapt and, you know, go on the fly. I mean, you know, bring in Spider-Man into things when they're actually were able to. Um, but I joked with my friends. I, I watch this show every week on a zoom call with a couple friends on Friday nights. Um, and I told them, I'm like, Kevin Feige's house must look like the Pepe Sylvia scene from always sunny because he's got all the plot threads and all the photos. And he's like, all right, well, this is going to tie into the She-Hulk series, and this is going to be the what-if, and it's going to be an Easter egg that's going to hint at the movie that's coming out five years from now. I picture, I picture his basement His basement looks like the war room from uh, Doctor Strangelove. Like, that's his basement. And he's just... It's just him, and it's all holograms of all, of all the Marvel executives and writers, and like it literally looks like just like an evil like lair. I was just thinking from Jesse Plemons from Game Night and his whole yeah. his whole basement. <sighs> Such an underrated movie. If you haven't seen Game Night, Jason Bateman, uh, Jesse Plemons, Rachel and Rachel McAdams, go see it. Fantastic. Oh, the best. Such it should be on HBO Max, I think. Um, okay, so the next one I want to talk about was the handling of the blip. We've, we've kind of talked about this already, and this was something I, I, I have mentioned before. I'm behind on the MCU, but I knew about this. Um... But I think even if you know about this, like, that cold open, Cole, you said it, is really, really almost horrifying. It's very jarring of just seeing, especially in a hospital, where people are just reappearing yes. before your eyes. And then they're saying, I need to, give me a phone, I need to call my wife. Like, hit, people running into people. And, the you know, the whole, the whole, you've been gone for two years. Like, type deal. Like, Five years. Five was, years, it yeah. was it five? I thought it was two. Why so do I have two? Shit. Again, bad with numbers. Um, no, you're good. The, 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 from the snap to the blip is a five-year gap. So the mom died. I was about to bring that up. The mom died um, two years ago, oh. meaning that she had been already missing for three years. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and I, then the mom, the mom had died. So Nick. You know, to, to talk about the 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 we're right in the middle of the blip. So, talk about so your this feelings. This is what about. I wanted to I bring up was that I did not realize because um, I I haven't seen Far From Home, sadly. 
I know I have to watch it. I just, just haven't gotten around to it. I've seen every other movie in the MCU except for that and Incredible Hulk. Um, but Solid when, movie. Said the, when they said the blip, I was like, wait, I thought it was the snap. And so I looked it up. And the snap was what we all started calling it at the end of Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And they internally at Marvel Studios always intended to call it the blip. Someone also came out and said that the actual moment is called the decimation. But Feige, again, working on the fly, he's like, "Here, all right, here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to call, we've narrowed it, literally the quote is, we've narrowed it down to the snap is when everybody disappeared at the end of Infinity War, and the blip is when everybody returned at the end of Endgame. Yep. I just love that there has to be a distinction. Well, not even that. It's yeah. just like, it's like, all right, we know how to not not pander, but we know when the fans are smarter than us, and like they oh, the can snap the, yeah, like they can make the distinction that the snap is the event that everyone disappears, and the and blip is literally the moment that everyone comes back. Like that's that's so smart, and it leave it like fans come up with some of the best story ideas anyway because it's you know it's a lot of creative people out there. But 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 Nick, with your thoughts, like you're thrown into chaos immediately. Talk about your thoughts, like just watching that scene unfold, and how it framed the episode for you. So I, again, I hadn't seen Far From Home, so I did not have much experience with the MCU's depiction of people coming back, apart from what was shown in Endgame. Which, if I recall correctly, there wasn't really a ton of that. You didn't see a lot of scenes of people coming back because it was about. It's one it's about the, the fight. It's the big moment when yeah. when everyone comes back. That's the only inclination that we're getting of that. Oh, and the and the but, birds. But that's all, the birds coming back too. But yeah, I mean, it's just from the fight. We don't get anything else. We're not seeing like you know we're not whoever, seeing whoever get up from where they died. Like you're seeing exactly. them all enter the portals. Um, so to see a you know realistic quote unquote we're talking about magic here, but a a realistic depiction of an everyday setting during the blip was again another kind of mindfuck. I was like, oh my god, this is this is crazy. This is again kind of like some horror thriller, you know, very gritty kind of feeling because you know the camera work was amazing. It was like it was it was if I remember correctly, like there was a lot of kind of single shot stuff going on. There was like following her down the hallway yeah. and people were passing her. And then it swoops over to the doctor that's trying to tell her like, you know, your mother's dead and, and you know, she, she hasn't been here for, for two years or whatever. Um, yeah, that was, it was fantastic. It was, it was really exciting. There was a lot of, a lot of thrilling moments in this episode. And, and I think it was a much needed, you know, I liked the show, but it was a much needed, Kicking the pants, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cole, yes, for sure. Cole, you were you were you mentioned before, like how captivated you were by the beginning of the episode. So, just give us your thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was great that they finally kind of showed at least partially, like how that happened, because they hadn't really, like was said before, it hadn't really been shown when the blip happens in Endgame. You know, it's relatively quick, and then everybody's just suddenly back we don't actually see them like coming back and to actually open on the episode of uh is it's monica right or maria monica it's monica, monica. Okay. a lot yes yes to see monica actually like reappear from nothingness was like that was great and like the effects for it looked 
amazing, especially for a TV show. I mean, that's what's kind of crazy is, you know, it's supposed to be a TV show, but it really does look like a movie most of the time. Well, Disney's got fuck you money, so they're going to put movie yeah. money into TV shows. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. The Mandalorian, but, for instance. Anyway. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. But, um, but yeah, to actually see that uh, was great. You know, I... Uh, they they kind of touch on it in Far From Home, but I wasn't really uh, a big fan of how they approached it in Far From Home. They kind of they they mostly ignore it, honestly, which to me was kind of is one of many things that didn't work about that movie for me. Um, just they kind of ignored it and kind of played it for for a cheap joke at the beginning of the movie. But in this, it actually showed like you know the real life consequences of actually bringing back billions of people at once um you know it, it just started it made, it made me think of like how this might be playing out everywhere else in the world like what happened to people who were in airplanes which i think kevin feige said like they just reappeared on the ground but i now i need to like actually see that for first <laughs> believe i want to see everything <laughs> yeah because they just showed everyone here just coming back right exactly where they were or how did some? How does someone come back? Like if someone were sitting in that chair she was sitting in already, would she just like appear on top of them? You know, it's it's things like that. But I, I love that they kind of showed just like the the horror from uh, Monica's perspective of what was of you know what this all seemed like. The the next thing I really want to see yeah. is I want to see from the perspective of someone who was walking around doing whatever. And then they blipped, and then they came back. We're, we're seeing them all as they come back, but I want to see someone like in the middle of a train of thought, like you know, they're in 2018, and then they're in 2023 all of a sudden, and like the world has been like a semi-apocalypse, and they they, they haven't been aware of it. That's what I want to see. Well, but well, they kind of they got. And I'll get into my 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 thoughts as well, just because I'm the last one, but. They kind of briefly touch on that, Cole, in, in the sense that when when Monica walks into like the, the like the not the waiting room, but like the kind of like nurses station, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She is talking to her her mother's nurse or doctor and says, yeah. "Like, the, what do you mean the surgery? Like, I, I just woke up and the yeah. surgery just you know the surgery went yeah. well. You said it was great. Like, like she's basically picking up from." The, the moment that her mom just got the good news about her surgery. So, like, she's yeah. kind of already on it, right? Yeah, she like, said she fell asleep for, like, I fell asleep for, like, 20 minutes. Like, it, like yeah. not like I was yeah. gone for years. There's, like, a real Dan Winkle thing going on with her. I'm not going to, like, repeat what Cole and Nick said because they basically touched on everything I said. Like, seeing the, the polar opposite of the far-from-home, like, comedic effect of, like, everyone's back, right? Like, seeing the horror element was just awesome. It was just a great way to open and it's very reminiscent of uh, the the cold open of Endgame, where we get to like the, the tension and the tone of the and for those who haven't seen Endgame, you should not be listening to this podcast, Bill. Um, we we see Hawkeye hanging out with uh, basically hanging out with his family on his like secluded farm, and all of a sudden he turns around and his whole family gets wiped, like his whole whole family gets uh, you know snapped, and it's just him there. It's, oh, it's I think haunting. I it's yeah. the yeah. clip. The clip that someone put together online—it's been going around—is they synced up um, Hulk's snap in Endgame with 
that opening scene, like timing wise, very cool. Because again, everyone comes back from that snap. That's why we see the birds kind of instantly flock to the tree. That and then uh, the phone rings, and it's uh, Clint's wife. So that was cool. What I want to see is this reminded me of the end credits of Infinity War. The tension of planes crashing and cars smashing and uh, Fury and uh, Hill getting snapped and uh, you know Fury, um, you know, sending out the signal to, to Captain Marvel, you know, basically giving us hope uh, for Endgame, basically. That would be a great comparison because it's like that same mood and tension and fast pace kind of energy. Um, so th- that was something I picked up. Uh, it almost feel, it felt like they like specifically are like, we need to go for this because that is, it's the polar opposite. It's like, what if everyone got blinked out of his existence? Complete, like, you know, what if everyone blinked back into existence in mm-hmm. a very chaotic place, like a busy New York street and a hospital, like crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's also just crazy that they did this in a show at all. I mean, you really have to know, like, if you haven't seen those movies or, like, you're like, oh, I'm, uh, you know, I haven't seen, like, the last few Avengers movies, but this looks kind of interesting to me. Like, you're not going to – well, I mean, Bill at least is, like, aware of, like, things aware. that have happened. But, like, like someone like my mom who has expressed interest <laughs> in watching – WandaVision, she, you know, she's not going to have any idea, like, what's going on in that scene. But I think it's cool that they, they did that, you know. It gives you a reason to go watch the other movies and learn what's happening. Marvel threw people like that a bone, at least, where um, on Disney Plus they have the Marvel Legends videos. Yes. Um, and which they, I, they which don't I give to. you everything, but they're, like, seven and eight minutes, I think, respectively. One for Wanda, one for Vision, and it's it was very basically just, like, me. a montage. Very Good. I'm, I'm really glad, actually, because uh, my my first Zoom call with my friends, where we watched the first two episodes, I was like, I was like, well, regardless of how familiar we are, we should watch this first because <laughs> the episodes aren't that long, so it's not like a big time commitment. It's like we're gonna watch two eight minute episodes of Legends, then we're gonna watch two thirty minute episodes of the show, and yeah, it was it was cool because I mean I hadn't thought about those characters that much to be perfectly honest. Like I'm one of those people that I remember my visceral reaction to a movie and not a lot of details. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. sure. Just remember how it felt. Yeah, I mean, people are going to remember on your left more than I might like birds going to a tree, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, like I was mentioning, like, they're the first one blipped back into existence. You know what I mean? So I could definitely see that. Now, another question we have, kind of touched upon it when I was saying, who's Jimmy Woo after, is... These people, we're now we're now finding out who all these people are. Now all these people seem to have New Jersey driver licenses. Is this a case of this is a town that has been taken over by Wanda, or are these somehow other like we talked about? Are these you know mutants? Are they superheroes? Are they are they? aliens are what what could these people possibly be are they victims of circumstance or are they intentionally there for a reason nick i'm gonna start with you i don't know man (laughs) one of those (laughs) are like i don't i don't have a theory about the townspeople um i am kind of one of those people where I think because i listen to a lot of podcasts and i read a lot of tweets and articles um, 
I'm less staunch in kind of coming up with my own theory and I just more like seeing what the theories are out there and keeping them in the back of my head as I watch the show. Um, sure. Is so, there but is there one that maybe sticks out more to you than others? I I think most of them are just unwitting people that fell victim to this. I, I think know. the more I think about it I'm like maybe Wanda moved there to try to have like a stress-free life and be anonymous and then she wasn't dealing coping with it well and again the powers kind of like respond to her emotions and then suddenly this home that she's in by herself where she was just trying to escape from all the reality suddenly this whole town gets sucked into it i mean i don't know there's probably not that, a ton of evidence for that but that's I, a popular that's a popular theory right now yeah. that's a very popular theory like, right now I so you're not, you're not far off I think it would be very, it would be a big stretch for like all of those people to have significance. Like I think there, I'm, I'm sure there will be at least one or two people that have significance, and the rest of them I think are just going to be bystanders that got sucked into this. Yeah, we, we a lot of us think that uh, Agnes is is that one person. So, Al, oh, you're like raising your hand like it's second grade. So, what's going on? Well. I, I want to go with my, my tinfoil like, hat ooh, theory. Ooh. I want to go with my tinfoil hat theory. So um, in episode three, we get to see um, Agatha Harkness, potentially, and uh, Herb, Herb Herb, talking with Vision and basically say, like, we are, we're all, and then we get cut off, right? So now that we know that that... The I, God, I hope it's not just just Vision's corpse floating around. <laughs> like, well, your original theory you told me was that's hard. You, you thought Herb was going to say we're all dead. That's I'm I'm so I'm sticking with that theory. <laughs> so I everyone's think, a corpse. So <laughs> they're no. all painted. They're it's it's basically a big marionette show, and it's just well, all yeah, dead things. That's why it's very tinfoil hat. But here's my reasoning. Kind of going off what Nick's saying in the sense of like Wanda moving to New Jersey. What? And by the way, that's not far off because wasn't there a Avengers facility in Long Island? Uh, there was one in upstate New York. Upstate New York. Sorry. So yeah, close-ish. So upstate New York. It's not far from where she was living for a long time. If you um, want to deal with all that traffic, <laughs> right? Well, it's an exit thirty-two, you know, off the park, Wait. which doesn't exist. It's very, moves, it's it's barren. Moves to a small town on the beach. Has an accident, like like Lagos, and kills everyone. And yeah, this is my tinfoil hat. So kills everyone. What's Lagos? I don't know. This is, oh, sorry. So Captain. Oh, so you. I don't. You. I don't think you've seen Civil War, but Civil War. Oh, I reason, saw Civil War. Yeah. Okay, so. Lagos is where the where um it, the, the the beginning where the, the explosion that kills the, the oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah okay yeah, yeah, right so it's basically she, it's it's her fault but anyway during her cope grief tra- tragedy um she you know implodes or whatever and uh wipes the town and this is her brain like oh I'll fix everything and so oh. all those people that's my my tinfoil hat like Alfred theory. <laughs> I like how you give yourself a proper name when you have weird theories <laughs> that, are, that are very, could be very well be true. Cole, what's your what's your thoughts on this? Uh, you know, I, I think something that's interesting to keep in mind is that they established that this is happening, this is starting three weeks after the end of Endgame because we see Monica 
come back from the snap, which is when they're fighting Thanos in upstate New York. Uh, that's when the whole portal scenes is happening, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they say it's three weeks later when she tries to go back to S.W.O.R.D. and her card's not working. Um, so, I mean, so we, so that happened three weeks in the past. And then we last time we saw Wanda is maybe two and a half weeks prior at Tony Stark's funeral where she seemed, you know, I mean, she wasn't like psyched, I'm sure, but she seemed fine, basically. So, you know, it's interesting to consider what could have possibly happened in those three, two and a half weeks between Endgame and the start of this show. Um, it's also interesting to consider the fact that um, when Vision died in Infinity War, he didn't get dusted, um, as far as I remember. I, I know they yeah, because sure he died before the blip. Before yeah, the blip. so I don't. I don't think they, he would have been blipped. I don't think they established that dead things. Exactly be... why he didn't recover. Yeah. 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 Correct. But then, so, but then it's interesting to consider. Well, if Vision's corpse is now being reanimated and, you know, being made to do all these things in a, this weird sitcom world, where did she get his body from? Because his body was left in Wakanda five years prior. I don't know How if any... How do we know that? That's, that's a... I mean, listen, all yeah, of these... There's a guesses, we don't know. All these are guesses, all these are theories, but Cole, we do not know that Vision was buried in Wakanda. It would make zero sense. Well, no, I mean, what I'm saying is that's where we last saw his body. So, that's, yeah. that's what I'm saying, though, from the beginning, is, like, the reason why I feel like Vision can come back and the reason why this is a great way to basically wish these the, the, the children into existence is this is, like, anything goes right now. And we're seeing a... a level of power from Wanda that we have not seen. This is a girl who almost, a woman, who almost single-handedly defeated Thanos if it wasn't for, like, yeah. warships. Like, that, like, she is, like, a Omega-level, I think, I don't know if she is a, I would think, do you think she's an Omega-level hero, like, a, a super-powered person? I know, I know there's a... Must be my pal. I would think so, like, definitely oh, yeah. post- Post House of M, like, has to be. So I'm saying, like, this is... The way that she can literally do this hexagon, town-shaped fucking curse, or whatever you want to call it, like, she's at a power level that we've never seen. So she could have wiped out these people, and she could also um, reanimate people, or blink people into existence like her children. So... It, it's it's crazy to even think about. There's also yeah. another thing that remember they were talking about the the special type of um, that radiation that's coming off the town uh, that um, Darcy's yeah, talking VR. about. Yeah, Darcy's talking about it, and the 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 random like government heavy is like, uh, I thought we were you know far enough away and everything would be fine, and she's like, for now. So now yeah. you have this other thought of just like now Wanda has this power and. It, she could literally start consuming the state of New Jersey, the world. Like, you know, she could start consuming because, like I said, almost defeated Thanos by herself, the world destroyer. Like, she could, that, that could be a bigger part of it, too. Kind of like the, going back to Annihilation, like you were saying, Cole. Like, it's, it's I didn't think about the radiation. Damn. Well, that's a great Some, point because it didn't I have mention a good <laughs> not. Yeah, it, it happens rarely, but. Very. The, did, didn't they mention. That not not just that the radiation could be harmful at a certain point, 
But Jimmy Woo says something along the lines of the universe wanted two Avengers to start, like, star in a sitcom, whatever. The the CMBR is the Big Bang energy. That's not Wanda. Galactus? No, no, no. What I'm saying is, like, know. if we're going to do some multiverse kind of connections, it's almost like, and Bill, I'm going to do this as a reference for you, it's almost like this is Cardiff in Doctor Who, where... Oh, I know. Uh, I, I didn't get what you meant. That's the... Is it the Rift? What do they call that? The Rift? Yeah, the Rift. I just watched the episode, too, with uh, with Jack, the Captain Jack. But what if this is, like, some sort of, like, opening to the multiverse? This, and the, epi- she, this, this is the epicenter. The epicenter. Wait, this you, is the way that she's getting the powers. Did you watch Revolution of the Daleks, available on AMC Plus? No. Oh, because you said Jack Harkness. I was going to... I know. Nick also anyway. did some... Uh, he did, in his uh, shoot job, did some... Uh, did, oh, you're still doing it. You did some uh, oh, does yeah. the AMC Plus uh, graphic work. I'm, you'll see online. I'm like um, I'm like a season or two behind Nick, but I was like uh, I was watching HBO Max. And I'm like, oh man, I really want to watch the first appearance of, uh, of Captain Jack. That's oh, it was good. Classic, classic episode. So that that for me that was about. Let me see if there's anything else I had. Uh, and I guess the other quick one. I guess we could all figure this out. But why are why is anyone like Darcy and Wu? Why are they seeing the uh, censored versions of this show. Like, why are they seeing that? We've seen what happens and how things get edited and stuff like that. So, Nick, I think you're 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 going here. You're her, doing rolling on a river right now. Her so, it's... power spikes, her emotion spikes, and it messes with the scene. Love and, that. Yeah, so that's why that was happening. Only happen when she has a negative reaction and her face sinks, and she's she goes kind of cold and is like, no, or. Why would you say that? Like any time that the picture perfect, you know, all smiles sitcom reality is disrupted. I mean, you, you'll you see it sometimes with the camera treatment too. You know, the the depth of field will change, the angles will change. Sometimes they even mess with the aspect ratio. Uh, I mean, they did that plenty in the end of the the episode. They were like going to widescreen and then to full screen. Um, yeah, I think I think. I guess that supports my theory about it's her emotions manifesting in a way she can't control. Uh, just real quick, did Cole and, and Al, do you guys agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, I think that's, it has to be it. But the, I think the larger question we need to ask is why is there a broadcast of this? Yeah. With? Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. That's, like why is this a thing that people can watch? Yeah. Like that. That's a huge question for me, and I think. We're going to get another one of these episodes in the sense that, like, if we go back to the scheduled programming and next week is the 80s, right, and then the 90s, whatever, I think we're going to get another one of these that shows what Cole was saying of, like, young Wanda Pietro learning about American culture in, um, uh, what's it called, Sokovia. We're going to get that because that's going to set up why the hell we're living through these sitcoms. And I think that's the episode we'll find out that what is the reason for the broadcast of it too. That's a large question. That's I think that's the biggest question I still have. What do people do a lot of the time when they are in pain? You know, they go to things that are comfortable. They go to things that are familiar. They go mm-hmm. to things that are like nostalgic. And so it manifests as all the television she watched when she was, being tortured and in captivity and being turned into an inhuman. 
or what, right in human is what enhanced what, enhanced uh, enhanced yeah oh, God. the inhumans yeah, was that show at ABC not infringing on the X-Men oh jeez so <laughs> annoying um I guess, so before we close out the segment, uh, any other th- uh, wild thoughts and theories? Cole, I know you had one on Twitter that I was like, save it for the podcast! Uh, I, I yelled at him. <laughs> yes, it, it was oh, all yeah. caps. It was all caps. Yeah. So what, um, what's your what's your thought theory? Is any, besides that one, any other theories too? Uh, no, just, you know, the, the rumor has been that Evan Peters is going to show up at some point uh, as Quicksilver, which would be pretty crazy, but I'm I'm now starting to wonder, just because I've been watching the trailers and, and things, you know, because I, I, I think I saw a clip where we see Wanda's kids and they're, like, older or, like, they're toddlers or they might even be, like, actual, like, adolescent kids. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if they're not going to bring in Evan Peters as uh, Speed, uh, just, like, kind of the grown-up version of one of their sons um that's just that's just my theory it's not really based on anything that happened in this episode of the show it's just me kind of keep keep wondering about you know where it's all going and and what might be the outcome of everything i think it might be possible evan peters might uh be their son and you know he might join up with the young avengers which i'm i'm convinced that they're setting that up throughout all these other shows and movies they're doing right now it's i mean it's a genius it's a genius theory like if you're gonna bring back if you're gonna bring evan peters into the work is like one thing that people will say about the new x-men movies is the probably the top moments of those movies are literally the two quicksilver scenes yeah. mm-hmm. it's it's like days of future past and apocalypse is the only only good part about apocalypse is that scene <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was about to say if you're gonna say that that's the only good part of Days of Future Past. No, Days of Future Past. Oh, that's great. Days of Future Past is great. I, I don't know if I like it as much as First Class. I've, I First mm, Class is that's very. A, that's great. a podcast for another day, though. It really is. Yeah. That is a podcast. <laughs> for, yeah, um, Al. Any uh, thoughts and theories that you have outside of the ones we've already espoused? Yeah, I was gonna say like I, you already heard my tinfoil hat theory, and I have talked at length that I think. If, if they get to the 90s television and they don't put both Aaron Taylor Johnson and then uh, recast him with Evan Peters within the show, that is my f- the one of the best ideas I've ever come up with. Um, I hope that happens. Yeah. Nick, do you I don't, oh. I don't have any... I was going to say, I'm sorry. I, did, I, I don't think I have any other theories outside of the ones I mentioned. But... I- but I want to know. I want to know more about sword. Mm-hmm. Because I see it, all of this post-its. I well, thought they were slices of cheese. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd be great if you just threw it and then like landed on uh, Monroe. Monroe's <laughs> <laughs> <I was> like. <laughs> um, oh, good times. No, I just want to learn a little bit more about sword because we. It's now the new shield. Not yeah, being, not being a jerk. Kinda, it's like, it's, and yeah. it's just you know we've we've had um, you know over a decade of shield we got six seasons of agents of shield right this is gonna you know sword could be the disney plus equivalent to shield um where they can kind of be at the forefront of all these shows or have some kind of um involvement in them so i want to learn a lot more about sword and i feel like it's not going to be within this show which is depressing yeah yeah. Oh well, I mean, you know, they have that whole set that they made for the sword facility, and mm-hmm. 
I just have to think, like, they couldn't have just done that for this show. Like, that must be, like, oh, we're going to borrow this thing that we're doing anyways for, like, Captain Marvel 2, you know? I was even going to say that it would be interesting if S.W.O.R.D. had a big, or at least some sort of connection to Miss Marvel, because, Mm -hmm. you know, I I just, I feel like they're going to have to connect her to the larger MCU, and they're going to get Captain Marvel involved, obviously, because they've already announced that she's involved in Captain Marvel 2. So I'm thinking she's going to be an obvious mentor to her. If, if, you, if people are familiar with the comics, she literally can kind of shapeshift her body and tries to emulate and be literally this white, blonde uh, Captain Marvel, basically Captain Marvel to a T um, at one point. So it would be interesting to see if Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel are going to be kind of our gateway into further exploring S.W.O.R.D. now that we know that there's a connection, a direct connection between S.W.O.R.D. and Monica Rambeau. Now, Nick, Nick, I know you're not, like you said, you're not one for theories and and stuff like that, but is there anything based off this episode you're like, you know what, I'd really like to see this happen? Like a reveal, a character, like there's something you're like, you know what, I, I, I would really like to see this based on what I've seen. I'd like to see this happen. And if you and if um, you're like, it's gonna take me a while, we could do it at the end. It's okay. No, I think I you know, I I'm one of those where like I don't care if something was announced and people think it's too obvious. Like the fact that Evan Peters is cast in an unknown role in WandaVision, it's like, yeah, no, I think that would be awesome to see him as Quicksilver. I think logically it makes perfect sense being that what we know about Spider-Man 3 and all the former Spider-Man cast members that are in that movie and knowing that the next Doctor Strange movie involves Wanda and is called Multiverse of Madness sometimes you know if it what is it like if, what is it if it walks like a duck if it looks like a duck it's <laughs> Honestly, a whatever the thing is yep. yeah. I think Hey, Evan Peters is cast in WandaVision. All these uh, Fox Marvel people are cast in Spider-Man 3. We've got a multiverse of madness movie with Wanda. I think we're going to get X-Men Quicksilver. And I, I want to see it. I think that'd be awesome. I think it would even be more exciting, even if that we somehow also get Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah. And they straight up, they're like, this is the first multiverse show. We're going to ramp up the weirdness. So there you go. There's something I'm looking for. I still think we're gonna. I still think we're gonna see um, with the ch- the kids. I mean, we've we, I've seen allusions to, and, and and Agatha. You, you keep thinking Mephisto, possibly at mm-hmm. some point. But I think if this is really tie- tying into that Doctor Strange sequel, I think one of the last things we're gonna see at the end of this series is Stephen Strange, somehow, some way, even <laughs> yeah. if it's for a second, even if it's like a. Even Cumberbatch. if, yeah, Cumberbatch is gonna mix it up. So, um, yeah. I just well, real quick, just want to say on that is, yeah, we're good. Having having his inclusion makes total sense, specifically because yeah. Jimmy Woo mentions, like he's 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 doing what we're doing. He's got the the, the, the Pepe Sylvia chalkboard. He's got and he's writing an art like, why is it hexagonal shaped? Like yeah, I thought that too. Like, I'm just like he's he's a, a fan, you know. Is it you know? And he mentions it. It's like, is it another dimension? Is it you know? Is it like this reality or something? Like he literally mentioned something like that. So it really is opening the door 
the most logical door to the multiverse. Now, if we're talking about the Marvel version of Hell and uh, Mephisto, like, cool, I'm into that too, and I'm into anything that these writers come up with, but it just logically makes sense in terms yeah. of walking like a duck and, and sounding like a duck that it has to do with the multiverse. It has to. Yeah. I, I do want to bring up, because um, I did rewatch all the episodes through episode four over the weekend, and I did notice specifically in episode two, there were a lot of devil references that just like jumped out at me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody kind of noticed that uh, there's that one line where they say the devil's in the details and Agnes says that's not the only place he's in. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of people you know, noticed that the rabbit was called Senior Scratchy, which... Obviously, uh, Scratch is a name for the devil. Um, ah, and I think, and I think in the comics she actually has a son named Nicholas Scratch, so <laughs> could be a reference to that. Um, the toaster thing that wasn't yeah. the toaster. The toaster says six six six, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. But what's interesting about that is, so when I watched that, I noticed that when they when they push the toast down, it has the Iron Man repulsor sound effect which i never noticed before that's great um and then i i just did like a little research and found that in the tom king vision comic there's this running gag where wanda continually refers to vision as a talking toaster yes and it's like i do do remember that from the comics yes every i've read comics Um, in in that commercial it says forget your past this is your future so I, I guess that's him. He's the he is a Stark toaster. I mean, he was built by Tony Stark. It, it checks out. Um, the other devil reference I noticed was in the animated intro. Uh, you know, it starts off on the moon and then it sees some like uh, uh, stars twinkle around it. I, I noticed that they made a five point uh, shape, uh, like a like a pentagram. That's nuts. <laughs> That's wild, man. Yeah. Uh, that's the one thing about this show, man. It, it, the high rewatchability, just for the details, is it, yeah. it's it's awesome. As, uh, as, as as Troy Barnes as Troy Barnes once said, so said many Troy, layers. You almost said Troy, Troy Boner, so that's weird. Troy Boners. I almost said Troy Boner. I was <laughs> yeah, not you were like Troy Boner. Uh, yeah, you were. I was trying to say Troy Barnes. Yeah. Well, you know, tomato. Go tomato. watch Community. Everyone listening. Let's move into our final segment of Wanda Distance is, is it a gas or is it trash? Uh, so this is where we rate the episodes on a scale of 1 to 10 hexes. But hell, for this episode, for honor of this episode, 1 to 10 hexagons. Let's go with that. Um, I know, so clever. So this is your final thoughts, your overall review of the episode. Nick Ficaro, guest of honor, you are up first, sir. Um, I'm going to be, uh, not the wet blanket because I, I really like the episode, but the I, I think after, water. <laughs> after having listened to the last two episodes of this podcast, I think you guys are a little hyperbolic. Like I think people rating episode three, a nine or a 10, I think you're out of your minds. It was good. It was very rushed and uh, kind of incoherent in parts. Hmm. This episode I thought was great. And can I can I use the? I'll give my rating, but can I use this as a jumping off point into the the brief debate I wanted to have with you guys? Or do you want to wait for after the rating? Go for it. Okay. 
Uh, I'm going to say I'm between an eight and a nine. Uh, That's tough. I guess I'll just, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to break the scale and say eight and a half, Uh, eight and a half hexagons. Um, This should not be a weekly show. I think you Uh, either release this as a binge or you do what you did with the premiere and you pair them. Um, Because, I mean, there's just so many different cases where, like, this show could have been distributed differently. Originally, they were planning on it being a binge, and then they changed their minds. Um, Critics got to see one, two, and three. We got to see one and two to us plebes. Um, And basically, all the critics said, like, if you're iffy about the show, three will get you hooked in. So there are plenty of people I heard, you know, most people like the show, but the people that don't like the show, uh, one of my favorite podcasts and, and YouTube creator groups is uh, started as Dead End Hip Hop. Then they have a podcast called Is the Mic Still On? And then they have a TV and film podcast called Frames Per Second. Uh, and these guys were all like super negative on the show. They're like, I don't like this at all. I, you know, they have no sentimentality for the sitcoms. Um, and so... They're like, the only reason I'm sticking around is because it's Marvel and Marvel hasn't let us down and there's going to be something interesting to this. And one of the guys said very specifically, he's like, I hate these first few episodes, but I feel like this is going to be a dope rewatch. Uh, and that's where I think either you release it in batches of two or three so that they can take a risk with one episode and then give you a little bit of payoff while also making you want to watch again. I really don't think this is a weekly show. It doesn't feel like a weekly show. I mean, this episode, I would say probably out of all of them, felt the most like a weekly episode and that it picks up right where the last one left off. Uh, it answers a bunch of questions and raises a bunch of new ones. But going from one and two to three was just kind of weird. Like three didn't feel like, like three gave you a little like a like a taste after one and two. Um. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of my point. Like, I really think whether whether it's a binge or whether it's batch releases, I really don't think this is a weekly show. Adam. And I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts as to why you think it works as a weekly show. But so, you can give your ratings first if you want. To. That's what I was going to do. So I was going to just say let's let's give our ratings and then respond to Nick. Right. So because we've already kind of waxed poetic already about why we like the episode and whatnot. Right. So yeah. I'm going to go with a. 10 out of 10. This is the first 10 out of 10 for this series. So fast. Crazy fast. Sorry, 9.5. So fast. And the, the reason it didn't get a 10 was it, it just, you need a little more meat on the bone. It well, I mean, quick. I thought you were going to give it a 10 just for the Jimmy Woo card trick. That, that gets a 10. That gets a 10 specifically. That scene gets a 10. Rest of the episode, 9.5. Um, <laughs> I, I half agree with Nick's statement. The, the part I don't agree with is this is 100% a weekly show. What they should have done was give us the first three, then give us the weekly. This is a water cooler show, if that exists anymore. It doesn't. No one's in an office anymore. But this is a show you want to talk about. and, and This dissect. is a water cooler right now. Right, yeah. This is a show that you want to think, dissect, come up with your theories, right? The, like, Stranger Things is the epitome of the bingeable mystery kind of show, right? That takes up the conversation for a week. Disney's smarter than that. They know that they have to 
give people new content every week leading into the next thing, right? So it's so smart to do it from a business sense as um, a, a weekly show. Where I felt, just like Nick said, if you had watched the first two episodes, you might not like this show if you are not a fan of classic sitcoms and, you know, um, you know, mysteries that take, you know, long to get to, right? But if you had those first three episodes like critics did, you get those first two, which are completely different from the rest of the series. They are kind of in so line, right? And, and I mentioned in the last podcast was episode one, we get one brief moment of like horror thriller element. And then the second episode, it's expanded. It's bigger. It's creepier. It's more gets added. And then, of course, we get to the third episode where all hell breaks loose. And then four complete 180 from what we've seen. That's why I think the first three episodes, just like the boys and people hated that, too, too. People hate like like modern idiots on the internet us hate uh shows that we have to wait a week for we oh. love these binges and people brought down the rating of the boys season i was okay with it with the boys sorry yeah but people brought down the rating of the boys not because they didn't like the show it's because they didn't like that they had to wait for more episodes like people are dicks these are mm. you know how much if, you, money? if you're gonna pull anything away from this episode people it's people, people are, dicks. are dicks but people like dicks. the amount of money and time that goes into filming these episodes writing these episodes doing all the stuff promoting marketing just to release it for people to talk about for a week it's it's lunacy really is so it makes sense that the show is weekly um and honestly that's why like i that's a part of the reason why i love it so much is just because i get to talk about it on a weekly basis like like this and we still so find more things to talk about which is not common during a pandemic correct <laughs> it, it's exactly nick you, you nailed it so i don't know if that's changed your mind at all but you no, can, it has listen, you can have your opinion because i have i have that social ritual again of a couple friends and i hop on zoom every friday yeah. and, and at eight o'clock you know same time and we, we talk we, we catch up for like a half hour and then we put the episode on and then we talk about the episode and it's it's like a it's a ritual, and you need rituals during this time. You need those things that you go back to and that you can rely on to make you feel better. Um, what was I going to say? Well, I'd you make like. the you make the great point of though, like if you are not a an MCU obsessive, watching those first two episodes, you'd be like, "What the fuck am I watching? What is this? What are they doing? Where is this going? This is not Avengers. <laughs> like, you know, what's interesting is I, I think I'm kind of an extremist in that I liked one and two more than three, but I liked four more than three. So one and two, you get very little snippets of intrigue, and the rest of it is kitschy comedy, which I find really endearing. I love, you know, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany did an amazing job. Like, the whole cast does an amazing job. Yeah. Three kind of splits the difference a little bit, and it's mainly because like Vision suddenly has super speed and is running around all the time, and suddenly Wanda's like rapidly evolving in her pregnancy, mm-hmm. and then you get those real, you know, reality breaking moments or al- really illusion breaking moments. Mm-hmm. But then four is like totally the other end of it. It's like ninety five percent MCU, and then you see scenes you already experienced through the television. And then they cut to them. So I think it's like, I kind of like the, I would like the show to be more of a juxtaposition of you get like 
90-10, I think the episode that was more of a hybrid, which was episode three, was the one I liked the least. It's funny, too, and, and I, I'll just mention this because I want other people to talk, and I, I'm, I'm hogging this, but the way I saw it was I was looking at it from the way that they were tackling the different television landscapes, so they did 50s, 60s, 70s. When you get to the 70s, the antics are heightened. Oh, yeah, The dude, comedy totally. is heightened. So the way that I was viewing the, the super speed, the, the pregnancy, the stork, I was viewing it as like this is an episode of the Brady Bunch and, and just hijinks have ensued. So I'm not saying it's like, you know, no, that's, a good this, point. that's the way I was viewing it. Right. So that's the reason why, you know, I don't see it as the lesser of the four. It could be if maybe on a rewatch, um, you know, a full rewatch. But like, I that's how I viewed it, I guess. I don't know. Cole. But, uh, Cole, do your uh, your rating, and then you can you can also expand on Nick's uh, uh, theory. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I, I thought the episode was great. Uh, I think I, the show's just kind of gotten better and better for me. I, I'd say probably my least favorite episode is the first one, even. But I mean, least as in like yeah. I like the other ones more. I still thought it was great. Um, but yeah, I thought. This was great. I, I think the pacing of this show is really, like, phenomenal. Um, the way it's kind of doled out information and the way it's ratcheted up, uh, the weirdness of the darkness where the first episode, I think, had very, very little of it. And then second one, like, a little bit more. And then the third one, like, they really kind of, like, kind of sh- started to show their hand a bit. And now in this one, we're kind of seeing what... Uh, is happening here even though we still have uh, a lot of questions um i just i just like the way that they're that they're giving out this mystery they're give they're giving out questions they're giving out answers and then they're giving out more like follow-up questions in i think a very well-paced manner um i i when i first saw this i i thought it might have benefited from a binge um but as i've watched more and more of it i've I don't think that anymore. I, I think what makes this show good is how they dole out information from week to week and kind of keep you guessing and keep you, you know, like every episode has literally been something different and it's shown like a different side of like what this show is. And we haven't seen all the sides of the show just yet. So, you know, that to me is like really intriguing and, you know, Marvel's never really done anything like this before like a movie or a show that's totally predicated on a mystery we don't know why any of this is happening uh you know we don't know uh where it's going really but i i like that that's how they're approaching it it reminds me of lost it reminds me of you know you know i know a lot of people have a lot of opinions about lost and how that played out, some of which I agree with and maybe some I don't, but you know, that show kept you engaged and very few shows today have kept me engaged like that since then and this is one of the only ones that uh, comes the closest. Um, so, no, I, I, I think it's great as a weekly show. I, I, I'm i honestly at this point, I don't think any show should be a binge show. I, I think binging is like ruining TV, frankly. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree uh, with you, Cole. Like, there are stuff like the Queen's Gambit, which you know has run, ugh, ran for so weeks. Good. Yeah, and the first yeah. season of Stranger Things ran for weeks. I mean, it's the movie, it's the it's the series that got me 
back onto subscribing to Netflix after years of yeah. getting away from it. But I think we've also grown tired of that model because look how fast, and I hate refer- referencing the show, but like Tiger King dominated pop culture and it was snapped out of anyone giving a crap about it. Because yeah. it was, yeah. but with, with, now we saw with the Mandalorian with that weekly that was built more episodically. You can go week to week adventures and stuff like that. But with this, I think we're in a time with TV, and I think this would be an amazing binge. I think this is the type of thing you could sit down and watch, and you would be so in, in, in entranced by the mystery mm-hmm. of what you're watching. It'd be it'd be an awesome binge. However, I think we're just in a time too, where it's just like. Man, sometimes it's real good. And I'm not even talking for business. I'm just talking personally. Man, it's real nice to have something to look forward to every week. And, like, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have, I mean, me too, or maybe I'm just speaking for myself, I've gone back and watched the episode multiple times. Whereas I don't do that with a lot of other shows. Where I'm looking up just like, okay, what am I missing here? I don't do that with a lot of shows. And that's yeah. cool. That makes me experience more. And now, <laughs> Disney doing its job. I'm like, oh, I want to see where this is going to lead and what other shows are going to pop off from here because I watched the yeah. three-hour investor call. So I'm like, oh, that was a logo. What's that going to be? You know, it was a graphic designer's home run of a day, Nick. Um, yeah. But um, for me, for the ep- for the rating for the episode, just because it was such a break, and I've probably been on the eights for most of the episodes. I'm going to give this one a nine because I'm like, this showed us how the cake was made, but it wasn't. it didn't hold our hands. It was very, opened up a lot of questions. I mean, even to the point where the, the rope holding the beekeeper became a jump rope. Like, it's just these weird moments, and you're just like, and what happened? Also, to what him? happened to him? Exactly. It was my next thing I was going to say. What That's happened my to that question. Guy? What happened to that guy? You know? Yeah. So, the reveal? Because I don't think he went back. No. He's but yeah, it's a nine for me. It's a uh, nine for me. I was going to say, the reveal of objects physically changing form or you don't know if it's physically you know visual visually changing form when they enter the wandavision universe was so exciting for me like seeing that it was a guy in a hazmat suit and then once he crosses that threshold his rope is a jump rope and he's wearing a beekeeper outfit and there are bees surrounding him i was like It's the all, shenanigans they can get into are and, and if it's all and if it's all Cole's theory, it's all corpse paint. Oh, <laughs> well, that's why. That's what. That's what I'm thinking. That there has to be some sort of like riff element. It's like because Wanda's not seeing this guy enter, right? Yeah, it, it, she's it, only it seeing him come out, and then she's like, no, and reverses. Much like we work. didn't see the the vision. Like she, we didn't see her seeing Vision's conversation with. Ag, uh, yeah. Agnes and and Herb, you know, or the plane, or the, or the drone. Her the point drone. Of view. Yeah. So, it, 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 is she? She the was key? surprised at the drone. It's probably going to be like we've seen in Doctor Who. Like she is the key to the rift. Yeah. Or she is the rift. You know what I mean? It'll be something Whatever. like that. So, guys, this this was awesome. This was the Wanda Distance episode of the podcast. We're gonna go real quick into some, well. It's the Super Bowl this weekend, so I know we're all rooting for cool movie trailers and buffalo wings, because God knows I am. But let's do a real quick lightning round of who we have to win the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who we talked about on the first episode of this podcast with Tom Brady heading there, and I think that was one of the few times we ever talked sports, or 
the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, captained by Pat Mahomes. So, Nick, who you got? Uh, Chiefs, for a multitude of reasons. Uh, I'm firmly in the fuck Tom Brady camp. That's all uh, we need to know. One of my best Locked friends, up. Eric, is a diehard Packers fan, and it was very disappointing to see the Packers lose. I'm a surrogate fan through him. Um, and finally, uh, I don't know any of the analysis, but a very interesting thing I heard was, you know, Brady Brady didn't look great in that game, and Mahomes is young and at the peak. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, Cole, what do you got? It's all the way. Uh, I don't know anything about football. <laughs> so do you want the Pirate team or do you want the Chiefs? Uh, the Native American State Protect Team. Oh. Yeah, the the pirate team seems less racist. I don't know, but like I don't know, pirates are also problematic. So. I don't know. Tom Brady's also a Trump supporter, so what do you know? Wait, uh, which one's Tom Brady on? He's on the Buccaneers. Okay, then no. <laughs> Go Chiefs, Al. Well, I'm not asking who you're betting on. I'm asking who do you want to win? Uh, Chiefs are going to win uh, thirty to twenty-seven. That's Al's wager, and uh, for <laughs> that's, me, that's a direct uh, water. That's, that's a dr- direct. <laughs> thing from facebook uh, uh, messenger here's what i bet bill uh, no um i no i want I, I'm, I want the chiefs to win i'm a big mahomes fan uh i like that whole that whole team is phenomenal i mean kelsey hill uh edwards alaire uh that's just the offense the defense is, is the honey great badger. Too, but, yeah yeah but mahomes and i say this on a like almost daily basis uh i wax poetic about this man he's unlike any quarterback i've ever seen i don't think like there is a quarterback in the league that has his QB vision. It's just oh, it, it's I unmatched. See what you did. It's insane. It really is. Oh yeah, thank you. Um, he's so good, and I just want to see him succeed and just like crush Tom Brady. Like I don't want. Like I want him to lose badly. Like yeah, I want to see another one of the, the, the sad Tom Brady like. Memes when when the Giants beat him. Um, I mean, confirmed. Al Manorino's next son's name is Mahomes Manorino. Um, I'm going with, and if they win, you now have to do that. Uh, I'm still waiting for my uh, my brother-in-law to pay off uh, Odell for when he has a son because when the Giants um, the Giants won the Super Bowl the second time, his name Odell. No, Plaxico. Plaxico, Plaxico. sorry. It was the first time, the undefeated season. He owes me a nephew named Plaxico. And uh, for me, I'm going Chiefs because he is, uh, listen, he, Mahomes does things I've never seen a quarterback do. And he, and Travis Kelsey does things that tight ends shouldn't do. Um, Big advantage for the Bucks, you know, first ever, of course, because it's Tom Brady, you know, first ever team to have home field advantage of the Super Bowl. Um, So go Chiefs, man. Go Chiefs. So that means the Bucks are probably going to win. So yeah. let's move into our final segment of the episode, and that is our uh, pop culture uh, recommendations in a time of quarantine. I'm not going to sing it because I can't get a tune in my head, So, and it's better off that I stop singing anyway. Um, music in a time of quarantine. And better. pop culture other things. Yes. Um, I mean, Nick's a better singer than I am. He's literally in a band uh, who's played right. pop break shows. And... Uh, so basically, this could be music, movies, t- uh, TV shows, podcasts, comic books, whatever in the realm of pop culture you want to talk about. So, Nick, guest of honor, what uh, what are you recommending for us? 
All right, I'm going to go rapid fire because I have a couple different things. Um, we're going to go opposite ends of the spectrum with music. Uh, one that is more predictable for me um, first is uh, there's a British band called Sleep Token. Uh, they're really, really uh, kind of out of nowhere. Um, they're from London. Uh, they're anonymous. No one knows who the members are. Um, only the singer really has a presence. Like He wears this crazy face paint and mask and a hood and... He's actually pretty ripped, but, like, paints his whole torso black. Um, and then the rest of them just kind of wear, like, hoods and, and masks, you know, kind of like ghosts. Um, but so they're, a, they're a mix of really heavy modern metal, like that genty kind of low-tuned guitars with electronic and R&B a little bit. Like, he can oh, do... So, like, like Motown Philly's back? He can do like nah, not not quite that much. Like like kind of more like the weekend, and I don't even like the weekend that much. But like that low key, mellow, but like angsty, sensual kind of like dark feel. Like he does that stuff. Like they'll have songs that start with distorted electronic drums and him singing and synthesizers, and then it'll suddenly go into like crazy down tune guitars and heavy ass drums. Like their drummer's a beast. Um, but yeah, Spirit, uh, Sleep Token, Sundowning is the debut album. Uh, came out 2019. It's really good. Uh, if you listen to one song by them, I would listen to Higher. Uh, the other one, music, the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Um, I was watching the Needle Drops Best of 2020, and his number one was the Jesse Ware album, What's Your Pleasure? And I had never really listened to Jesse Ware outside of her appearance with Disclosure on Help Me Lose My Mind. Um, and she made an out-and-out -out disco album. This is Donna Summer, Giorgio Moroder, you know, that, like, Saturday Night Fever, uh, Mini Ripperton, that whole vibe. And it is authentic as can be. Every detail is just, like, you know, finished perfectly. It's very much, in terms of craft, it's a lot like Random Access Memories by Daft Punk, where, like, they hired all the legendary studio musicians and every song is like completely incredibly tight. Not a, not a note that wasn't considered. And her album is very similar to that. I mean, she basically said, she's like, I want an album that people will have sex to. Um, and it is, it's, it's a hot album. It is beautiful. Uh, it's just, it's, it's something that I wasn't expecting to like, and I love it. Um, so those are my music recs. I have a few other. I have two other small things. All right. Are we doing music and then going round table or? No, no, no. Just hit me with your. Just hit me with your X. Okay. Video games. Uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two is yes. transcendent. It is a masterpiece. It is incredibly sad that Vicarious Visions, the development team who did that, has now been folded into Blizzard. I'm really upset about that because I wanted three and four as DLC. That would be great. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, we get that somehow. But either way, like. That is my comfort food uh, so second half of Pandemic is uh, because of all the achievements and all the challenges, you have so many reasons for like replaying park after park with skater after skater. And, oh, yeah, you got you got all the objectives in this level, but did you do this gap to this gap to that gap with yep. this skater? And then that's an achievement and you get more XP for that. It's, it's just beautiful. And then finally, last but certainly not least... Tying back into mentioning Doctor Strange and Benedict earlier um, made me remember, this is a show I watched a while ago, but I think not a lot of people know about it. 
Uh, it's a mini series. It was on Showtime. It's called Patrick Melrose. Wow. Um, oh, God. If you like the Queen's Gambit and specifically the sequences in the Queen's Gambit where they delve into her addiction and her family problems and the psychology of the main character, that is Patrick Melrose. It is five episodes portraying addiction and recovery and addiction and recovery and like this this saga of this man, you know, this affluent man who basically doesn't know why he's here and is just trying to kind of, you know, destroy himself. And it's one of those things that, like, it sounds like peak prestige TV where everything's super grimdark, but there's enough wit and humor and lavish details and great music and great cinematography that it never feels like a slog, even though it is incredibly heavy. Um, you can watch it on Prime Video. You can watch it on Showtime anytime. Uh, yeah, so Jesse Ware, Sleep Token, Tony Hawk, Patrick Melrose. Running the proverbial gamut. If you want sexy goths and powering addiction, there you go. Um, Cole, what do you got for me this week? Uh, okay, uh, so didn't get a lot of uh, TV or movie watching done this week. Because so much going on at work, but uh, we did watch uh, this movie called Underwater that came out last year uh, that I knew a lot of horror friends were recommending to me with uh, Kristen Stewart. Yep, and it and it was actually pretty good. Uh, you know, it's pretty much just Alien, but underwater, as the title suggests. But it's solid, um, and it totally had a it. Uh, ties into a whole larger uh, pop culture thing that I don't want to spoil, but if you're kind of aware of it and when you see it and you kind of understand what you're seeing, it's pretty cool. So it's um, really delving into pog collecting. Yes. Yes. I know my audience. <laughs> um, he's back and he's in pog form. <laughs> Great. Oh god. <laughs> um, but yeah, I watched that this this weekend and thought it was pretty good. Um, other than that, just uh, just watched a lot of what we do in the shadows, which I'll so put on. Good. Yeah. Anytime I'm needing just to pick me up, I'll, I'll just put on that for a while and until it does its job. So you know, there's always that to watch. Um, yeah. Not not too much more than that. Just. Uh, I notice uh, a lot of shows are coming on HBO Max. Uh, they, I know they just put out Batman the Animated Series yeah. and Justice League and Justice League Unlimited and Batman Brave and the Bold. And everyone should watch those. Um, and also Young Justice, which uh, is very near and dear to my heart. That, that will be on there, too, eventually. Nice. Uh, Alfonso. I have one recommendation this week, mostly because it's been kind of preoccupied, uh, taking over most of my time um, at night. Is uh, something I said I was going to do on this podcast because it, it was just, it just felt right. It was, it was time. I'm rewatching Justified, and it is starring your number one cru- man crush with a bullet. Well, him and him and Dan Stevens probably are like. Well, no, that's that. that's that's Kelly's man. You can't even claim. <laughs> You can I will fight play. Kelly to the death and lose and lose. I love Dan Stevens. No, um, yeah. So if, if if you're unaware, Justified is basically a, a modern Western um, 
starring Timothy Oliphant. It was on FX. It ran for six seasons. There are 13 episode seasons. Um, the biggest issue, the biggest problem with Justified is it's so fucking good, but it was also during the golden age of television where it had to compete with shows like Breaking Bad and Mad Men in terms of people's attention and accolades. Um, yep. It did win a few Emmys, but it didn't. It never got to get. It never got to win, um, you know, uh, an Emmy for best drama. Even though it was one of the most consistently excellent television programs, with each season being better than the last. Um, solid villains over, like all around. But basically, it's about um, a U.S. marshal stationed in Miami gets relocated back to his hometown in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, or sorry, Harlem County, whatever is where, is where he is. But he's basically based out of Lexington, uh, working for the U.S. Marshal Services and uh, basically dealing with all the uh, white trash hillbilly criminals that are um, in the vicinity and also stuff that also happened in Miami. Um, Timmy the Elephant is a godsend. He is so good. It, it, it was the role he was born to play. And if you liked seeing him in um, The Mandalorian, you'll have to thank Justified and, of course, Deadwood for that. I mean, it just... This show... Um, this show is basically... the uh, It's Mandalorian without Star Wars. It is a, it's a modern Western. It's so good. Um, if you've never checked it out, I highly recommend it. Um, I don't... I want to talk so much about the first four episodes of the show because I'm, like, I'll literally re... I'm re-examining this show, um, especially in a not even post BLM world, post Black Lives Matter, because we're not post it. We're it's still kind of happening right now. But post what happened in 2020 uh, with police, it's very interesting on a rewatch. Uh, so I definitely recommend watching Justified. Sweet. Uh, my recommendation. I have two. Um, it won't be as uh, wild as last week's. Watch Bluey and Hannibal. One is great for kids, and one is pure nightmare. Diversity. Yeah, hey man, listen, I um, I got a lot of time on my hands. Um, I my wife and I are currently in a new girl rewatch for the third time during this time of quarantine. Uh, it's just, it's just fantastic. It really is. Nick Miller, played by Jake Johnson, a spirit animal to many of us. Uh, Schmidt is a spirit animal to one person on this podcast, Al, and um. You are so Schmidt at times. It just cracks me the hell up. I'm aware. Uh, we know. Uh, with that hair, it's very Nick Miller, but if there's anyone who's Nick Miller and is a cranky bastard constantly, it me. Um, it's just a really funny show that if you watch the first season, definitely was trying for something different and then found its groove probably late season two, early season three. It's a delightful show. It's a great laugh. So many famous people come on there. Josh Gad as Bearclaw. A marvel, a delight. Also, a great drinking game in the game True American, which if you ever want to look that up for the most complicated drinking game ever created, go for it. It doesn't make sense, but it's, again, if you really just want to get drunk with your friends, there you go. But, again, this show, it's generally funny, generally sweet. Um, it's it's just awesome. You, you will just have a great time watching this, a great binge, and a great way to keep your mind off of the heavy. And I'm going to recommend one song, a band I've been huge on for eight, since their debut record. Al and I saw them open for the Foo Fighters at uh, City Field, uh, and the band is Royal Blood. Their new single out 
called Typhoons. Um, uh, is I think the third single that they've launched. Definitely going for a bit of a more synth influence, dancier type killers vibe, but it's still got that low end badness, badassness uh, that Royal Blood is known for. If you've never listened to Royal Blood before and you are like, I need good hard rock in my life, that isn't just like something that like a bunch of douchebags would listen to. This is a great place to go. Um, also, if you're really you need something heavy, every time I die, just dropped a wall. Their new single, and of course, their guitar player is a pro wrestler and is on TNT every week. So go watch that. So I have to support them. So boys, every time I die rules. They are, and they're wonderful. Got their recorded their first record in South River, New Jersey. Nice. Five I wanted to comment. I just looked up the new Royal Blood album. That that uh that album covers hot. I Graphic design nerd. Like I, I always just, I, love I always describe them as like if you if you like pina coladas like, and if you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain you would definitely like royal blood no if yeah. you it's like if you like like jack white and led zeppelin a little bit like it kind of combo plus grunge like, plus grunge it's like, no like allison chains if you if you were loved allison chains but like a little bit of blues a little but, bit of British. Yeah, it's like funkier. The, but the similar. sound that comes out of these two dudes. It's just two people. Two dudes. You're going to be like, what the fuck? Like, when you watch that, it's the Royal Blood and Greta Van Fleet were the two, like, when I listened to them, like, wow, these sound great. But when I saw them, I was like, how is this happening? You just opened up a can of worms with Greta Van Fleet with Nick. He's, We're he, not going to go there. He, that's, a, that's a hateful... Not, that's, I'm actually not nearly as scathing as a lot of other people about right. Greta Van Fleet. But I just wanted to say about Royal Blood, uh, as a guitarist and gear snob, um, what Mike Kerr does is nothing short of magical. Yeah. He's running Insane. two, I think, at least two separate amplifiers with different effects pedals run each amplifier, and yeah. that is how he is able to sound like he's playing guitar and bass at the same goddamn time. Yeah. It's amazing. And, uh, boys, let's plug our socials because uh, I think it's time for bedtime. Well, for Al. Um, so, Al, why don't you get out of here first? Tell people where they can find you on the Internet, unless you are taking care of a dog. You, you can... You can find me uh, at Al Manorino on Twitter and Instagram. Okay, if you got a um, Nick, where can people find you and all your lovely work? Um, my website has not been updated in like six or seven years, so we're gonna do Twitter is at Nick underscore Porcaro P O R C A R O. Instagram is at Nick Porcaro no underscore. Uh, but Porcaro has three O's, so Nick Porcaro. And uh, you are in multiple bands. Are you doing anything musically right now? I know live gigs limited as hell. No, I haven't played a show since uh, early March. Luckily, I was able to. I participated in a tribute show that my friend ran, so I got to play like right before COVID hit. Um, I was part of a virtual show uh, called the Eagles Engagement that was sponsored by the city of Hoboken. Uh, so if you look up Eagles Engagement Hoboken, I played guitar on, um, God, what's the song? Uh, Take It to the Limit. So yeah, check that out if you want. Nice. Cole, where can people find you on Letterboxd and anywhere else? Uh, they can find me on Letterboxd under my name, Cole Rothacker, R-O-T-H-A-C-K-E-R. 
As for me, uh, just my tweets about wrestling and stuff, at Bodkin Writes on Twitter. Of course, go to thepopbreak.com. Every single day we have awesome stuff about TV, film, music, uh, comic books, anime, pro wrestling, digital trends. Uh, this podcast drops every single Thursday. You know you're listening to it. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, we also have Pop Break TV, a whole channel on the same place you could find this podcast, which is Spotify, Anchor, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We have a ton of shows under that hub. Um, but follow us on Twitter also at The Pop Break. We changed our handle to a lot shorter. And we are forward slash popbreak.com, all spelled out on Facebook, at The Pop Break on Instagram. Of course, we also have The Breakcast, another podcast we do uh, that is on uh, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. So. That concludes this episode of Wanda Distance. We will see you guys next Thursday.